listeners to Season 4, Episode 19 of Drinking and Screaming, a queer and feminist podcast about horror movies and cocktails. I'm Char, and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Kelly, and my pronouns are they, them. And this week, we're watching I Know What You Did Last Summer from 1997. But first, we have an inspired mocktail creation that we made to match the mood and themes of the movie. So we made this drink to be enjoyed by the beach last summer. This episode will contain discussion on sexism. If this is something that you need to not hear about today, feel free to skip this episode. Is it still called a mocktail if you're not trying to imitate a cocktail? I think I mentioned this last time. I think it's just called punch. I made a fancy drink. A fancy punch. <laughs> it's a party drink. Yeah. I mean, it is a it is a summery drink. I appreciate that it has ice in it. Thank you. Yes. Uh, it has been very, very warm here. We're sorry for the delay, but we are back. It really seems like the world didn't want us to record this episode because the moment that we started recording it, the power also went out. That was fun. Uh, so it's just been like heat and uh, setting up our new location and power. So, you know, it seems like it was last summer when we watched this movie. (laughs) So I call this drink very creatively what you drank last summer. And the base of this drink is some soda water and it's it's a fruity beverage, definitely a char beverage. Um, and I, I even put an orange slice right on the side so that you just shove it up your nose while you take your <laughs> sips. I mean, it does look like something that it would be served on like a patio uh, in one of those pitchers. Yes, it looks like sangria. Totally. Uh, I thought sangria is supposed to be red. Uh, red. It looks like white sangria. So if you make sangria with red wine, it's red. If you make it with white wine, it's more yellowish. Ah, well, this looks like something that you drink on a balcony, on a porch, yeah, on a veranda, whatever yeah. open area surface you sit on outside. It's definitely not, um, not that this is, it's, it's exactly how I would like it to taste, but it's definitely not as strong of a flavor as most of my beverages are. Yeah, it's I expected very, the orange to be uh, punchier. Yeah, it's very laid back uh, in here. Which but. is funny because it did get to steep for a while where, while we waited for the power to come <laughs> back on. So one would think that it would be stronger. But That's true. Uh, so if you want more flavorfulness in this drink, then um, I would definitely suggest putting a bit more orange juice in, not just a slice of orange. But I'm enjoying it. It's it's nice. Yeah, it's good. Definitely very, very good to have on a hot, hot summer day. <laughs> so this week we watched I Know What You Did Last Summer, which premiered on October 17th, 1997. It's written by Kevin Williamson and directed by Jim Gillespie. But it's Gillespie? based. Yes. <laughs> but it's based on the novel by Lois Duncan. Did I say it weird? Yeah, you said Gillespie. Yeah. It's Gillespie. How sure are you? Very. Oh, okay. It's a common name. <laughs> Is it? Wow. Directed yeah. by Jim Gillespie. Gillespie. I didn't know. Gillespie. You got to like travel like the it's G to L like gl- gl. Sometimes when you mispronounce words, it's because you've read them and that's how you learn them. And that's what I'm trying to think of <laughs> as Gillespie. I butcher this name. Sure. Whatever Kelly said. Starring Jennifer Love Hewitt as 30-year-old final girl Julie James, Sarah Michelle Gellar as 30-year-old beauty queen Helen Shivers, Freddie Prince Jr. as 30-year-old high schooler and fisherman Ray Bronson, and Ryan Phillip as 30-year-old high schooler jock Barry Cox. (laughs) 
they're not really 30. I don't know how old they are, but they looked it when yeah, we definitely. watched it. <laughs> this storyline was written by Kyle on IMDb. Thank you so much, Kyle. It's the 4th of July. And technically, we had planned this episode to come out on the 4th of July week. But then all these delays. I'm so sorry. Would have been funny. It Four did. Friends. You just, you're listening to it late. Ah. Come on, what are you doing? This came out two weeks ago. Yeah, you silly human. <laughs> Four friends, Julie, Ray, Helen, and Barry are celebrating along with graduation. On their way home, they hit a pedestrian walking down a curved corner. They make a pact to keep it a secret in hopes of saving their futures. While dumping the body in a nearby sea, the body becomes alive and tries to attack Helen. They throw him in and never return to that site. One year later, Julie returns home from college for summer break. In the mail, she receives a letter stating, I know what you did last summer. Julie freaks out and gathers up her old friends who are now separated, miserable and not speaking. They all decide to find out who saw them that fateful night. And in the process of tracking the suspect down, the body count goes up. So the teens get threatened one by one, but for some reason, Barry really doesn't want to believe that this is happening for a really big chunk of the movie. That didn't make sense to me. But they begin to try and solve the mystery without any sense of intrigue or, well, mystery. (laughs) A hooded man in a fisherman outfit stalks the teens and uses an ice hook as one of his preferred weapons of choice. Helen gets her hair threateningly cut into a bob while she sleeps. (laughs) Barry almost gets run over and the teens are terrorized. The final showdown takes place at the annual beauty pageant where the fisherman begins to kill them off one by one and store the bodies in his fishing boat. The answer to the mystery is a year before the accident, a boy named David Egan, who they presumed they had run over this time, and his girlfriend Susie were involved in a car crash not far from where the film's accident scene occurred. David survived, but Susie died. Julie finds out that Susie had a father named Ben Willis. Julie then figures it out. They did not kill David Egan that night. Her assumption is that David had been found along the road by Ben, who killed him and disposed of the body. But before Ben could get home, the four crashed into him during their joyride that fateful night. Julie and Ray enter a fight for their lives on Ben's boat, during which they sever his hand and he falls into the ocean, never to be found. A year later, Julie is enjoying another year of college and is getting ready to return to her hometown to see Ray. As Julie heads towards one shower stall, she stops upon seeing writing on one of the steamy doors, which reads, I still know. The last shot is Ben crashing through the glass shower door at the camera. The ice pick now embedded in the stump of his missing arm. Dun, dun, dun. And that was as intriguing as I could make that synopsis. <laughs> Stuff happened. <laughs> Hit me with that trailer audio. Boy and girl are making out, right? When they hear over the radio that this lunatic killer's escaped from an insane asylum. That's not the way it goes. The boy goes for help and the girl stays in the car and she hears this... Like a scratching sound. No, he's been decapitated. No, he was gutted with a hook. For the last year, four friends have kept a secret, but not all secrets stay buried. Somebody sent this to me. Oh my God. Someone knows. I know what you did last summer. Ooh, I got run over. Helen gets her hair chopped off. Ah! Julie gets a body in a trunk and you get a letter? That's balanced. So that was weird. 
What do you mean that was weird? It was like, you know, when people on YouTube edit a trailer to make it seem like the movie is a different genre? Yes. Where they're like, Willy Wonka is a slasher film or like uh, Scream is a romantic comedy or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it felt like that. The whole end, like last half of this trailer felt like they were trying to be like a upbeat teen summer fling movie, I guess. It seemed so much more fun than it actually was. Yeah. What? But it was like so tonally not. It was very odd. Yeah, it didn't really match the film, but it did a good job selling it. I want to see that movie. Yeah. If only we had that movie. <laughs> like, I guess they were trying to market towards like the couples that want to go see a slasher film during the summer. Or yeah. Something. But uh, yeah, that was strange. That was strange. Agreed. Do you have thoughts on this movie? Uh, I have several thoughts. Do you? Wow, I don't have many, so take it away. I mean, I got to cover some of them because they're pretty <laughs> negative. So uh, I'm going to start out the the Helen Chase scene in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, she's the one that like goes to the store where her sister is, and then her sister gets killed, and she tries to look for the guy, and he's under uh the sheets of plastic and then it's a really big chase scene mm-hmm. um and apparently it's praised by horror fans as one of the best chase scenes in any slasher movie oh which i can honestly see um if you couldn't tell from the tone of Sharanai's voice this movie was bad we hate it we did not like it um <laughs> but that aside i can totally see the merit of this chase scene uh, it's got like a good roller coaster going back from like dread to hope back to dread because mm. um, it's pretty long. Like she's running across the lawn, gets to the store, talks to her sister for a while. And there's so many moments where it looks like she's safe. Um, but then her sister dies and then she finds a cop and then the cop gets killed and then she runs away some more and she almost makes it out and sh- she gets to the edge of the uh, July 4th parade And then that was the moment where I was like, this is so dumb. Just take a step forward. You know (laughs) that he's actively chasing you. This is the typical yelling at the TV screen moment of these horror movies of this day and age. Oh, yeah. Where she just stands there. And then, of course, she gets grabbed. But it's that it's that moment of her almost making it and like screaming out. But the setup of the fourth fourth of July parade being there Mm -hmm, meant mm -hmm. she couldn't be heard. Yeah. So there was like uh, an element of like, oh, man, so close. And the the moment in the chase, like you said, it was actually pretty long. Uh, And it did. I like that it had various locations to it. I thought that really added to the 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 pulse of this scene yeah and once she was actually in the shop the 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 sister store that moment lasted quite a while because it's a really big store Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a mini department store and she had to use like the tools that they use in the shop to like visit different areas she had to like crank herself up using what would you call it like a pallet lift yeah i guess it was like a dumbwaiter but for merchandise yeah yeah And I thought that part was interesting. Yeah. So it was a very varied chase scene. And even in the end, when the whole fight on the boat is happening, like it's cool that she's like digging herself through the ice uh, area. Yeah. So like the moments of conflict were interesting, but there were like so many, there was so much more movie than that. Yeah. Um, So I'm giving praise to that scene in particular, but also then um, to a lesser degree, the other chase scenes yeah on the boat yeah 
Yeah. I'm glad that you started us off with some positivity. Thank you for that. That was good. Now it's all downhill. (laughs) All right. My second point is strange in that I'm not really talking about the merits of the movie so much in that I'm talking about how strange it is to see these actors in this movie. Do you Um, mean because they're so old? No. Well, (laughs) I mean, yes. But uh, they retro like retroactively watching this movie after each of them have gone on to be more famous. Oh, yeah. And like more well known for other things. It was weird seeing them in these roles because it was almost like not believable. Like Sarah Michelle Gellar goes on to be Buffy mm-hmm. um, and then her and Freddie Prince Jr. go on to Scooby-Doo. The all-star movie of yeah. all time. <laughs> and so it's like seeing it's almost like when a bad movie hires a bunch of big name actors to try to bump up its own popularity. But in reverse, because they weren't popular when this movie came out. Yeah. Or they were less popular. I don't remember when Buffy came out. Did you Uh, look it up? It was after this. All right. Which is also funny because the hairstyle that she, I think it was. Now that I 1997, which is the year this came out. Yeah. So I think she left this, like after this movie, she went on to go do Buffy. Yeah. Her hairstyle that she's so horrified of in this movie Mm -hmm. is Buffy's hairstyle. Then like, uh, what's his name? It's the uh, Leonard from Big Bang Theory. Yes. <laughs> was not a convincing, like, bro-y antagonist. So it was so weird seeing him in this movie being like the buff fisherman who tries to come in and yeah. like save him. That was so weird. I totally agree. He play- tried to play it off. And I don't know if it is because I just see him as Leonard from Big Bang or what, but it just did not. It fell flat for me, too. Yeah, I don't like I don't I don't see it, my dude. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, it's like and that's not I guess it's not an indictment of the movie. It's just it's weird for me in the year 2021 to watch this movie with all of these big name actors and be like, I don't believe any of you in this role yeah. because I've seen you in the other roles. And how go- how believable you were in those other roles. Yeah. I mean, Fred should have been able to beat up the killer. Bing, bing, bing. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was my point. Yeah. That's um, a good point. And then my final point is very quick, is that this movie was super fucking boring. Oh, really? Wow. I totally agree. <laughs> like, we... I can't remember what it was. We were We, like, started watching this movie late, so we had to stop watching it and pick it up the next day. Yeah. But I was like glad that we had stopped it because it was so it really dragged. Yeah. It's just like we the establishing uh, problem of we're being chased by this person who knows that we tried to kill him last summer Mm -hmm. took so fucking long to set up. And also the actual I kind of said this in the synopsis. I very much coded it in sarcasm because there wasn't any intrigue. Yeah. In this film, like it's whole premise is who is this person that's chasing them? Who knows what they did? But the, uh, and like even it's not just that like we got spoiled knowing that it was the guy that they had killed. Cause like, I didn't even really know that. I didn't know that either, but it's so obvious that it's him. It's, yeah. It's like, he didn't die. You saw him come back to life and the guy kicked him and, and drowned, but we've seen movies before. We yeah. know that he obviously escaped unless we see his head get chopped off. He's still alive. So it was just like the entire movie was everyone trying to catch up with us, the viewer, where we were already there moment one. Mm -hmm. But then it was like, who is that person, though? We know that it's the person they killed, but who was he? And then that mystery of like being the dad of the daughter that accidentally died just became too convoluted. And they had to explain that 
halfway so many through times. the movie. Like, cause they didn't <laughs> like, we didn't learn that in the beginning that like, Oh, there was this mysterious death on this road. No one knows what happens, which if they did probably would have given away the ending anyways. Yeah. But to be like, Hey, there's this mystery about this person who had died halfway through the movie. And it's like, well, why do we care? We're just trying to figure out the identity of this person that's chasing you. I don't mm-hmm. care why he's doing it. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. Yep. So like, even after we cut the movie in half, the second half was still so boring to watch. The climax. Like, I mean, the boat part was okay. The boat battle was good, but yeah. Then the ending was really cheesy. <laughs> yeah. But that's like, it comes with the times. I'm okay to like wave that off. In general, when we watch movies like this, they're still, you can still appreciate them for what they were, but not this one. <laughs> it was so boring. I agree. It's time for Breaking Vegan on Instagram messaged us. And you know, we love it when folks message us. This is the part of our show where we speak back to you, the listeners, um, and we get to we get to chat. We get to read your reviews or your tweets, or in this case, an Instagram message. <laughs> Uh, They have two hot film recommendations for us. House on Haunted Hill from 1959, because, and I quote, it's so good with the old effects and Vincent Price. Yeah. And Teeth from 2007, because it's one of my faves and I want to hear your thoughts on it. Oh, thanks. You know the plot of that, right? It's a vagina and it's scary. Vagina dentata. (laughs) Thank you so much, Frank and Vegan, for the recommendations. With season four coming to a close soon, we are already planning season five. So you never know. We're going to take a moment to talk about our socials and sponsors. This season of Drinking and Screaming is sponsored by American Nightmare Candle Company. Discount time. Get 10% off your order on their Etsy page with code DRINKANDSCREAM. Bring the horror into your home with a handmade soy wax candle from American Nightmare Candle Company. They have brand new gift boxes that include two different sized candles with scents of your choice, a creepy printed candle coaster, and safety matches. Available for purchase at Etsy.com slash Nightmare Candle Co. Evil Amy has sent us some new goodies. These are amazing band-aids known as fandages, like (laughs) bandages. And they are Halloween 2 themed. So they feature lovely art of Michael Myers and his iconic knife. I can't wait to get my next paper cut or be stabbed (laughs) by a kitchen knife wielding psychopath. Get yours, they ship globally at evilamysterrorshop.com. And you can use code EVIL10 for 10% off your purchase. This season of drinking and screaming would not be possible without the support from Mad Lab Distillery. Although we didn't use their stuff in today's mocktails, we do use their stuff whenever we make alcoholic cocktails. You can get their awesome stuff at madlabdistilling.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at drink underscore scream, on Facebook at drink and scream, and you can email us at drinkingandscreaming at gmail.com. For more information and to buy some merch, go to drinkingandscreaming.com. Ooh! All right, let's spend the next 10 minutes figuring out how to get back to the episode slowly and boringly. (laughs) (laughs) So what are your thoughts on this movie? Oh, boy. Okay. (laughs) My thoughts are going to be quick because I don't have too much to say and I don't really want to beat a dead horse by reiterating the same point over and over again. And yet both of my points (laughs) are about feminism. Whoa. The women in this movie 
what is their purpose? Because to me, it just seems like they exist to scream, to get killed, and then to be saved by the men. And it's really fucking annoying. <laughs> oh, you mean an uh, early 2000s horror movie? What? What? <laughs> Actually, this is late 90s, but still, still. basically the same era. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't drop a hard R word in this film. Uh, yeah. That seems like it would have hit the demographic for this movie at the time. Yeah. But I just... This movie in particular was so bad. I think you're supposed to identify with Jennifer Love Hewitt's character, Julie, but I just, (laughs) but I couldn't, I just found that they like, what's the word? It's not whitewashing where they like dish towel personalities. Is that it? Uh, like a Mary Sue is kind of like that. Yeah, it's just they're so boring. There was nothing identifiable about them. And I just also want to point out that it's really annoying that they gave this lens on Helen, who was the beauty queen winner. So she has that trope of being the prom queen or whatever. But she just wants to look presentable. And they frame it as being the world's worst crime that she ever could have committed. Like she's stuck up because she cares about her hair. Yeah. Her sister is like, you keep combing your hair and it's like, you have combed hair and basically the same hair. Like you're getting mad at her for combing her hair before going to sleep. And a lot of people do that when you have long hair, you got to brush it. Not curly hair, but straight hair. If you're going to bed, it's a good time to brush it. And when you wake up, good time to brush it. (laughs) But But how dare she? Exactly. And it's so fucking annoying because men just impose impossible beauty standards on us. And then as soon as we comply with these beauty standards, they portray us as shitty because we care about how we look and how dare you. And it's just I could rant forever (laughs) about that. And I hate it so much. Just let me look how I want to look. Yeah. Jeez. (laughs) It's this movie was basically all of the tropes from. Uh, cabin in the woods or like the idea of like all of the tropey slasher movie characters yes, yes but done unironically yeah so badly which is <laughs> so funny because that kind of segues into my next point <sighs> of how this movie tried to be meta-y in that they uh in the in the trailer you heard them tell the story about the hook-handed man uh where two teenagers are like making out in a car and they hear on the radio like an escaped prison person is coming and they have a hook for a hand in your area <laughs> that's from community <laughs> there's a guy with a hook thingy you know a hook for a hand yeah. where his hand should be <laughs> And Julie explains in that moment of the story that this is just a a short story that's used to influence women and to like slut shame women and convince young women not to have sex or else you'll die, which is very typical of horror movies from this time. And it's done in. Do you agree? Like it's done in a way of like I'm speaking to the audience. Yeah. Like this is very odd. It's, uh, and and Yeah. And then they end up being shitty teens who almost murder a guy. So, yeah, I don't know. They were they were saying how being a a, a slutty teenager is bad, but maybe drinking and driving is worse. (laughs) And then it just it fell so flat for me because that moment, it, it sort of piqued my interest if they actually followed through with that idea for the rest of the film. But they don't. They just leave the rest of the film so tone deaf. And it's almost like they started like scream, but ended badly. (laughs) (laughs) 
Because Scream starts with the like, hey, what's your favorite horror movie? And it's like, oh, this, blah, blah, blah. Because it's so running and blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. Talking about horror movie tropes. But um, then didn't do it good. Yep, exactly. Yep. Yep. Hey, look, it's the Reconomicon. Let's spend the next five minutes trying to figure out whether or not it's the Reconomicon. <laughs> oh, we figured it out. It's the Reconomicon the whole time. I guess it's time to open the Reconomicon. Our new space is a little bit more echoey, so when I actually shout Reconomicon, we might get some reverb from it. Ooh. <laughs> I'll go first. My recommendation, funnily enough, is Scream from 1996. Whoa, because it's just a way better movie in every aspect. The plot is more fulfilling while still being very, but who is it driven? And it's a fun slasher. If you're going to want to watch something like I Know What You Did Last Summer, but enjoy your time doing so, watch Scream from 1996. Mine also came up in this episode, also from me. Um, <laughs> my recommendation, my recommendation is Scooby-Doo from 2002 because it's got Freddie Prince Jr. and Sarah Michelle Gellar in it from this movie. Yes. And it's got Matthew Lillard from your movie. Hey. So that's Scooby-Doo from 2002. I love that movie. I'm pretty sure we included it in a bonus episode for uh, Spooktember that we did. Yeah. Getting some behind the scenes. Go listen to Spooktember. Because yeah. we took over an episode um but we had to do a full episode on that because damn that movie is awesome it's time for scaredy facts is the part of our podcast where we invite you into our relationship and we get to snuggle up in bed after a horror movie has scared us to bits and we read some trivia to just learn that it's a movie with actors Actors who go on to be more famous. I wonder if this one will, because obviously it wasn't very scary when we watched it. I wonder if I, it'll make me appreciate the movie more. Having no. some fun. Oh, no, it won't. <laughs> <laughs> sure won't. Um, so we did get a budget. You filled in this part. I thought yes. we were banned from getting budgets now. Because I think if they have done it in the past, like if it's an old film and it was the information is readily available, it'll be there. But now they're implementing this. If it's like 2021 movies onwards, we oh, won't man. be able to find it. That's bad. The budget for this was an estimated $17 million. Whew. The opening weekend was $15.8 million. All right. I mean, it's a big budget to make back in a single weekend. Yeah. It's gross worldwide is $125.5 million. That's a lot. Which I guess it is like a cult classic at this point. Which is why I wanted to do it because I had heard of it in such a way that like it is one of those movies that you just have to see. Yeah. I don't know what made me think that. I don't know. (laughs) So fun fact about this movie. Yes. Scaredy Uh, fact number one. (laughs) Oh, no, this is this is Kelly's trivia facts. Oh, OK. Tell me. A, this is one of those movies where a lot of the trivia facts are like so and so played, tried to play this part. So and so played this part. So oh, yeah. and so went on to go be in this movie. So and so went on to go and be in this movie. So there's really not that many good facts about like behind the scenes stuff. Oh, boo. Um, But uh, I'll, I got some good ones. All right. Before so, you start, I got to the end and now I get like a little fruit salad. Nice. And that is is good. (laughs) (laughs) It's like second drink for those of you who like The Office. (laughs) Second snack. All right. So Johnny Galecki, who plays Leonard in Big Bang Theory, Mm -hmm. recalls doing a body cast for the scene where Julie opens the trunk and finds Max's dead body in it with a bunch of crabs crawling out of the mouth. 
He later got a call that production was shut down because Jennifer Love Hewitt was so upset by seeing the dead body cast of him. Uh, he called and reassured her that he was very much alive. Oh, <laughs> that's nice. At least they had a strong relationship. <laughs> <laughs> um, this one is kind of sad. Oh, uh, so the writer is very open about not liking this movie and not liking the fact that her book got turned into a slasher because in the book, nobody dies except for like years back before the book actually happens. And it's more of like a mystery, like who done it mm-hmm. rather than a slasher movie. Um, but she was specifically opposed to being reworked as a slasher film due to the fact that her younger daughter was actually murdered by an unknown assailant in 1989. God damn it. Uh, so literally all production wanted was the name of the book. And like so much more of the plot is just thrown away and wow. remade for this like teen slasher drama. They could have just changed it. I know what you did last fall. Yeah. Stay that instead. But summer's sexy and spicy. Yeah, And then I they did so. it in Maine where it's like foggy and rainy. God I don't know. damn it. Um, so yeah, don't, I don't know. That's, it's, that's, a, that's fucked. Yep. The original trailer for the movie described Kevin Williamson and the movie as from the creators of Scream. Miramax owners of Scream franchise successfully sued Columbia Pictures for false advertising. And the phrase was removed from the trailers. Wow. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Hold on. Like, did he have any affiliation with Scream at all? I think so. I don't know. Kevin Williamson. Did you work for Scream? Uh, Apparently. But still. Writing the screenplay. You still have to get permission, I imagine, from the production company to include that. That's so weird. Yeah. I wonder if something happened there. I don't know. This movie seems just chock-a-block with production problems. <laughs> Next one. The film is included on Roger Ebert's most hated list. Mine too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is a cool fact about the writer of the novel because I've I've lost interest in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Louise Clark Duncan wrote the original iteration of this novel in 1973. Duncan is a unique author in that she likes to re-release her novels from time to time, updating them with contemporary references and keeping the story current. She just released I Know What You Did Last Summer and replaced references to the Vietnam War with the Iraq War, adding cell phones, social media, and texting references to keep the story relatable to today's teen audiences. For the most part, this approach works. Duncan's stories hold up pretty well, better in some ways to the 1997 uh, slasher, which has dated 90s fashion and music references. Sick burn. (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. I wonder, like, I know that uh, authors very frequently do that where it's more about like changes of grammar or fixing mistakes, like new iterations of novels. But I've never heard of an author doing this. That's very weird and very cool. cool. Mm -hmm. And I like that the story still holds up, even if the actors have or even if the characters have access to like social media and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. All right. Whoa. Carfax. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Max drives a 1989 Chevrolet K1500. You hear that, mom? Chevrolet. That was a dig. Uh, Barry's car is a 1997 BMW 328i E36. You sound very confident saying that. Those are a bunch of numbers in a row for sure. (laughs) 
Julie drives a 1987 Dodge Aries KLE. I imagine the LE is limited edition, but I have no idea what the K means. All right. Anyways, those are all of the facts that I have. You were right. It didn't make me care about this movie anymore. In fact, I hope it made you care less about this movie. (laughs) Do you have final thoughts? I do. This movie was incredibly meh. Um, I remember being really afraid of the concept of this movie when I was younger. It was like one of those things where kids on the playground would be like, this is the scariest movie ever. I know we did last summer. But it was just... Are just okay. Just the the horror was. Meh. It was a big flat. Meh. <laughs> it's funny that you say that because I remember this is one of those films of like when you're in the video store as a kid and you like walk through the horror section. They have those lime green stickers on them, and you see. I know what you did last summer, and your brain just like imagines. <laughs> but yeah, God, what a letdown! Yeah. And I, it's especially strange to me that this spawned at least two sequels. I don't know if there's more, but I know there's at least three. And I'm sort of like morbidly curious about what <laughs> those are. But also, I don't want to be put through that again. So I don't think I'm going to watch them. It seems like one of those movies that when we can actually have people over again, we can have like a party and just put it on. That's true. Yeah. Movie movie. Yeah. A movie movie. Wow. I meant to say a party movie. Well, we don't know what parties are anymore. It's been two (laughs) years. You can't even say I know what you did last summer and claim that you had people over. True. Oof. (laughs) Well, that's been I Know What You Did Last Summer, a movie about the name of a book being enough to go on. Next week, we'll be watching Scare Package from 2020, and actor Josephine McAdam will be back for another interview. Yay! And remember, always scream responsibly. Ah! Thank you for listening to Drinking and Screaming. Drinking and Screaming is produced and edited by Charlene Bear. Our sound engineer and logo designer is Kelly Wright. And it's hosted by, yep, you guessed it, Kelly Wright and Charlene Bear. For bonus episodes, Patreon poll voting privileges, and exclusive rewards, become a patron at patreon.com slash drinkandscream. Want a shout out? Review us on Apple Podcasts and we'll read your review live on the show. For more information, check out our website, drinkingandscreaming.com.